What's going on, everybody? It's another installment of Kickback and Relax, part of the Left Side Heavy podcast presented by Blue Wire Hustle. Today, I was more than happy to bring on my cousin Taz Barrett, co-owner and founder of the Boulder Denim brand. They are a rock climbing denim company, but very stylish and for casual wear, informal wear, all that sorts of stuff. It's very cool very cool business and we kind of dive into how it started their appearance on dragon's den and just kind of how it all kick-started and you know how to battle through obstacles and all that sorts of stuff it was a very fun episode to record and i hope it's just as fun to listen to so be sure to enjoy that and while you're here i'm going to plug a couple things be sure to follow me on instagram at jevin.lefave on twitter at jevinlefave find everything for the show on instagram twitter and tiktok at left side heavy underscore subscribe to the youtube uh i'm having some trouble uploading past episodes or not even past episodes the most recent episode episode 54 with hayden the video for some reason i'm having some complications with that so hopefully i figure that out soon and this one might not even be up uh by the time you're hearing this so hopefully i figure all of those nicks and crannies out but other than that i hope you guys enjoy the episode it was very fun to talk to taz and yeah dive into it enjoy folks It's episode 55 of Left Side Heavy, the podcast, but the 11th installment of Kick Back and Relax. And today I welcome on a very, very special guest. It is my cousin, or better known as the co-founder of Boulder Denim Clothing. Is is that what you guys kind of go as? Like a clothing brand, like just a identity kind of thing? Clothing brand, but just Boulder Denim. Boulder Denim? Yeah. Taz, Barrett. Welcome up, to the dude? podcast. How's it going, man? Good. It's about time you sent me an invite. I've been patiently waiting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely been long overdue, but uh, how have you been lately, man? It's been a while since I've seen you. I know, I know. It's uh, kind of a shame we can't spend as much time as we normally would enjoying the back deck parties in the summer and whatnot. Oh, of course. But, yeah, I've been, I've been good. Um Trying to spend as much time outside while we still got the weather here. Uh, lots of yeah. climbing this summer, which has been amazing. And, oh, um, for sure. Yeah, mo- mostly just enjoying the summer while we still got that weather. Yeah, it's th- it's been an interesting summer for um, us in BC. For anyone um, listening who doesn't know, but we are... Um, just like interior, about an hour or so interior of Vancouver, British Columbia, up here in Canada, and we do not get the summers like we do, like or have gotten this year. This has been a very uh, weird adjustment for us. Yeah, like f- high thirties. You never get yeah. high thirties here. High thirties feels like mid forties. It's just something that has, does that like affect um, climbing and stuff like that. Like we'll get into it later, but just a. Uh, like the weather, does that is that something you kind of have to take into account? Like fatigue, like all that um, sort of stuff. 
mostly to do with friction. And so when you climb, you use chalk because you get sweaty hands. Yeah. And um, when it gets into the high 20s is normally when it's starting to get a little bit too warm. So for those couple of weeks when it's really toasty, I was uh, mostly climbing inside or just outside kind of enjoying the hot weather. But like today would have been an absolutely perfect day uh, to get up to Squamish. Oh, yeah, for I sure. Those, like those T-shirt and shorts weather, but like not too cold. Yeah, that's that's easily the best weather. 100%. When it's like you're just sitting comfortable and you're not like dying from the heat, but no, um, has uh, how has Boulder Denim been? Um, has it been it, busier nowadays? What's it been like? It's been uh, it's been good. It's been a little quieter, um, really since like I would say like six months into the pandemic, um, leading into when everything shut down in March of 2020. Uh, we are a couple weeks into our Kickstarter campaign. Okay. So we had three solid weeks. And then uh, right in the middle of it, the, basically North America kind of started to shut down a little bit. So okay. that definitely slowed things down. I think a lot of people were trying to save money at the time. Um, and, you know, it, it, it delayed. Uh, I mean, everybody knows about like supply chain issues and uh, people being out of stock and so it it really did slow down our production times and made them substantially slower like three to four times slower than normal oh wow uh, which is yeah it's like it's impossible to plan for and basically it's taking longer for everybody and we're we're amongst that and we're, we're lucky that our customers are uh pretty pa- very patient people um so we've been pretty lucky in that sense but things are kind of starting to normalize uh we've gotten a a couple runs in recently, uh, runs of new jeans coming in. So inventory oh, are getting good. topped up and uh, we're able to get our orders up to customers, but it took, uh, shoot, I would say like probably maybe six to m- six to nine months longer than what it should have just because of all the delays. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what kind of, uh, sparked Boulder Denim? Cause that's what I got you on here. Yeah. I want because it, it is they're easily the most comfortable jeans I've ever put on my lower half in my entire life and I feel like this Boulder denim brand needs some more um, light shone on it and I'm just curious as to how like the idea got sparked how you met Brad and like why Boulder denim just all that sorts of stuff but like what got the wheels turning for sure. in um, general. So I, I guess let's go like chronologically here. Um, I met Brad when I was 15 at the spaghetti factory. Okay. And uh, we had one of those stepbrother moments when you're like, did we just become best friends? Yeah. And we, we bonded over uh, basically like entrepreneurship. Um, we had all these like wild dreams of starting businesses. And we had, I think we'd probably had like four or five different businesses. Like we had a, one of my favorite businesses that we ran was a beer bong company when we we're 17 up in the shoe shop and we would sell beer bongs uh, to house boaters when we worked on this floating dock. And we funded that company because we had no money and we ended up paying for all our booze that summer um, with the proceeds. So we had a free summer of booze basically. Wow. And um, that kind of led into a couple other businesses and we just got out of business down in Arizona and we're kind of, I had started climbing when I was down in the States and he had started climbing. He actually got me into climbing. 
And um, we'd been away from each other for about six months. We went to the climbing gym and I was wearing basketball shorts and he was wearing uh, like Lululemon pants, like super expensive, like $150 Lululemon pants. And uh, I thought he looked ridiculous. He thought I looked ridiculous. My knees are all cut up. And that's kind of when it dawned on us. We're like, there's really nothing on the market right now. Um, there's a couple companies out there, a couple climbing companies that had very colorful pants or like earth tones. They're all really baggy, but nothing was stylish. And we wanted something that, because like quite often climbing is very social. So we wanted something you yeah. could go to the gym, go to work, go out for dinner or beer afterwards. And it doesn't look like you're just at the gym. And yeah. so we did a bunch of research. We couldn't find anything out there. And one of the things that Brad's always wanted to do is he wanted to have a Kickstarter. Um, and it seemed like the absolute perfect Kickstarter product. So, we so explain started, to explain yeah. to anyone who doesn't know what a Kickstarter is. So Kickstarter is a crowdfunding platform. Basically what crowdfunding is, is you can bring an idea, a product, an idea, um, and you create a video, you create a campaign, and then you present it to the public and you have to bring your own customers and you have to market it and people can decide to fund your product um, if they want to receive the product or if they just want to support you. And people will pledge a certain amount of money and then you'll get a product in return. And it, it's a bit of a risk because not every single campaign does fulfill. It's a very high percentage of pro uh, projects that are successful. Um, and sometimes the product development stage does take quite a long time. Uh, for us, I think our first one took us about a year. Um, so people kind of have to trust you with their money that you're going to deliver on what you say and the product's going to be as good as uh, what they hope it's going to be. And oh, um, okay. yeah, so basically what, what we did is we had to develop a prototype um, pair of jeans and we shot our Kickstarter video. Uh, when we started the company, we had very little money. So all the friends that we got involved, um, one of my friends, she worked at Lululemon, she was working for free. Uh, and she basically gave us a checklist of things to do, things to look for. And so we started asking, basically answering all those questions. Um, my buddy, Casey, is a professional videographer and uh, super talented, like way more talented than what we could have afforded. Um, and he basically worked on the promise of us paying him a percentage if we hit hit $100,000 Canadian. Um, spoiler alert, we did. And <laughs> another um, two friends, they had also started a literally a crowdfunding marketing company um, down in the States. And we were one of their very first uh, clients that they brought on. So they did our marketing, again, paid under percentage. Um, our photographers, same thing. Uh, we used all our friends for models. Uh, some of them work for free. Actually, I think we paid everybody um, on that, but, but literally everybody was working on the promise to pay them if we were successful. So we totally bootstrapped the thing. Um, we launched that in, I think we had the idea in 2015 and we launched it like in November, if I'm remembering correctly, did a six, six week campaign. We ended up, wow. uh, yeah. And we ended up raising, um, $90,000, uh, American. And so that that's amazing. Deep down, we, we wanted to hit like, like had these crazy dreams hitting a million dollars. Like I think 
most entrepreneurs will kind of have yeah. that round number. Um, yeah. But it, it still completely blew our expectations away. And um, at the end of it, we're like, oh, shoot, we actually have a full on business here. And now we have to go and fulfill um, over a thousand orders for all our customers. And uh, then once the campaign ended, we really had to kind of sort things out and like, how do we actually run a business? How do we yeah. like, create this product? We had samples, but we, we didn't have the manufacturing in place. And um, I mean, obviously everything worked out. That was 2015, six years ago. And we're here now three Kickstarters later. Um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a really fun journey. Uh, super rewarding delivering a product to all our customers or most of our customers are outdoor people. A lot of them being climbers. Um, it's super fun making a product for them. That's absolutely unreal. Like just so like, obviously your overall goal was like a million dollars and stuff like that. But did you like for your first Kickstarter, did you have like a realistic, like, okay, let's just try and clip this number or. Well, we knew that um, like the very minimum goal that we needed uh, so like when you're working with factories, you yeah. need to have a minimum amount that you order. Yeah. Uh, so for us, that, that was several hundred pairs per style and we had multiple styles. So we needed, we knew we needed a pretty big number there. Um, and we were able to beat that by quite a bit. It, it would have been an interesting uh, experience had we not hit the number <laughs> bit of risk there. Um, yeah. But luckily we didn't have to cross that bridge. That's, so. that's what I, I, I'm assuming that's what every entrepreneur wants with their first Kickstarter. So, <laughs> but, uh, so obviously like an edu uh, schooling and stuff like that, I'm assuming you took, uh, classes related to like entrepreneurship and everything like that. Did you have like a different um, business idea in mind, like growing up? And then this one just like kind of all the tracks like formed or like all the stars aligned on the idea of Boulder Denim? Or did you have something else that you wanted to pursue earlier um, in terms of like business ideas? Or did you want to go into anything else? And then this one just fell into your lap? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Um, so I knew when I was 15, uh, the first time I'd ever it had a marketing project. Um, I was like, wow, I really like marketing. This is super fun. And I knew I wanted to do something real estate related. And then I discovered that BCIT had real estate marketing. So I thought, why not combine the two? Yeah. And, um, that program was super tough. And, but it really prepared me for kind of to take on anything. I ended up working as a realtor for two and a half years um, at Remax on a very successful team in Vancouver um, with a guy named Paul Eviston. And it was an amazing experience. The team was awesome. Um, but I wasn't like, my heart really wasn't in being a realtor. And uh, it just kind of wasn't in line with what I wanted to do. Not quite creative enough. Uh, for me, and there wasn't as much marketing as what I had hoped for. Okay. Um, one of the businesses that Brad and I got into uh, was 
Zeg invisible shield, so cell phone protection uh, at mall kiosks. And we had an opportunity to buy five locations down in Arizona. Oh, wow. And um, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going down to the States. Like, this is what's going on. Uh, I'm like, mm, damn, my best friend's moving away. He needs people on his team. I'm not super happy on where I am right now. Like, this sounds like a pretty amazing opportunity. Um, it was a really difficult decision because, like, the team I was working with, great guys, great guys. Um, and I could see see my future 40 years out, kind of working in real estate. And I just, I you know, I wanted a li- little bit more uh, adventure in my life. So yeah, went, went down to the States um, and I realized very quickly, like within the first month that I knew nothing about business. Like I knew how to write a business plan. Um, I knew basic accounting, but like you realize very quickly that the real truth of the matter of running a business is that you have to do everything, like taking out the garbage, like absolutely everything. You have to be willing to do it um, because there's nobody else to do it. You have to understand the numbers. You have to understand sales. You have to understand marketing. Um, and so that business that we had down in the States for a couple of years there, I learned uh a ton about running businesses and ultimately um that ended up being a really good learning experience but not the most profitable experience yeah um but i came away with a, a much better understanding of of all those pieces of marketing and sales and uh one of the things we had to do was being on the floor and speaking to people and um like within the mall and okay. uh, i i would have spoke to literally thousands of people over those few years so that that was good preparation um, and, uh, yeah, so that, that kind of dovetailed into being ready for when Boulder Tenem became an opportunity. Um, both Brad and I had this skill set that we could actually approach it with, uh, a lot more expertise in, in sales and marketing and understanding, um, how to bring a product to market. And, uh. Yeah. So that basically, I, I think that covers like the education part of like how I prepared for that. That's awesome. Because I, when I was in like high school and like growing up through middle school, I always wanted to like own my own like sporting goods store. And then obviously as you kind of grow up, you find new interests and in different things like that. And then I just like gotten broadcasting interested in me. And I was just mm-hmm. like, you know what this, like I was like thinking about a trade because it was just like something to, it, I didn't, I'm not necessarily the most disciplined to like schooling and stuff like that. And I was like, maybe I'll just do a trade and maybe the little bit it's fine, but it's yeah. almost like the easy way out kind of like, but I don't know when you like have a desire to do something, it's better to just like go all in and try everything you can to like make that happen. Obviously if your heart's still set to it. So yeah, like I started this podcast and stuff like that. And I was just like, and I fell in love still ever since I started it and like got into it. And I think that's the same thing with you weren't necessarily the happiest at Remax and or like being a realtor, nothing against Remax itself. It's just like your heart wasn't set and was in the place. And then it's just like all of a sudden it just fell into your lap and you're like, okay, and now this is almost like my calling. It's like, this just has to happen. And obviously it's worked out. Yeah. 
I mean, like, I think I heard at some point that most people or your average person switches careers seven times. Yeah. Um, so you have people that are less than that and people that are more than that. And I mean, going the trades route is definitely not a cop out. Um, no, I actually love working with my hands. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I've actually, I've done a lot of, um, I'm sure, you know, like the Boulder denim road trip we did, uh, we had that airstream yeah. and the van and, um, we should probably touch on that at some point. Oh no, that's um, my next question. <laughs> but yeah, we, I, I built a, I built a rock climbing wall on the back of that thing. And I, I had very little carpentry experience before that. Um, but yeah, man, trade trades are awesome. Like you can, you can be your own boss. Uh, yeah. What you're doing, like that's totally entrepreneurial as well. Yeah. Um, I think it's so valuable to build a skill set and not just like slot yourself into a single career, which is totally fine if you're into that, like do that. But if you have the, that feeling that you need to explore, 100% explore it, man. Exactly. And a lot of, I think, obviously, well, maybe it's not just everyone, but this was my perception was I have to know everyone and then I can, I not everyone, I have to know everything about it and then get started. But it's like, I knew, I didn't even know how to edit a podcast before I recorded two episodes. I was like, I just put it in this thing and then uploaded it. And then, so I've like been learning on the fly to yeah. do a bunch of stuff. And obviously you had a idea in marketing and all that sorts of stuff. And then you were like, when I got down there, I kind of started to learn a bit more about how to run a business. So like you can still learn stuff on the fly. It's just like you just got to get your feet wet in, the, in what you want to pursue. But you mentioned the road trip. Talk a little bit yeah. more about that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, to kind of like address what you just said, like, absolutely, man. Like everything is learning on the fly. Um, yeah. And that road trip was was exactly that for us. Um, so where, so, where did you guys cross through on the, so on the started road started in Vancouver. Um, we went, our first, our first event was in park city in, uh, Utah, um, which is, I guess it's just, uh, east of salt Lake city up in the mountains there. Okay. Park city is there is like where all their skiing is. And, um, so we drove straight from Vancouver all the way down there, um, we spent a bunch of time in Salt Lake City. We went literally to every single state except for South Carolina. I didn't I didn't realize it on the time, um, but Brad's goal was to hit every continental state. Uh, I mean, not including Alaska. Um, and I just missed that one literally by maybe an hour of driving. Really? So, yeah, he, he came back on a separate trip and, and hit it himself. Uh, but the whole point of the trip was... Um, we wanted to go to all the climbing gyms, all the climbing festivals and demo the product. Cause like, you know, the jeans, they're super comfortable, um, yeah. really stretchy, but if you saw them beside another pair of jeans, they would just look like a pair of Levi's yeah. and you wouldn't know how they feel. So we went to climbing gyms and we do these demos and people try them on, they get to climb on the wall. And, uh, that's when they'd really understand about it. Like, Oh, they're super stretchy and comfortable. Um, and so that's basically how we built the brand is doing that and visiting uh, retailers, like small kind of like one-off, like mom and pop shops. Um, 
climbing festivals were super fun. There's, we probably, I think we went to like a dozen different climbing festivals across North America. Wow. Um, those are just amazing. Like the, the people that you get to interact with their beauties, uh, lots of, lots of free beer for the vendors. That's awesome. <laughs> and, um, some pretty mediocre climbing cause everybody's pretty hungover. Yeah. Uh, but it's a good so uh, like, how does a climate festival work? Is it just kind of just like, you just kind of banter with one another and then like, yo, so, you just want, you want to go climb this wall together? Like how do conversations like, what's the kind of vibe like at a climbing festival? Well, the vibe is like really, people are like really stoked on being there because all the vendors, um, this is their job and they're traveling around the country. Like a lot of these people are on, on the road for like majority of the year. Yeah. Um, so it's always, it's cool. Cause you get to see like, all your friends at these different events and people like you'll see somebody like in Smith rock. And then literally a week later, you'll see them in Arkansas um, at two, four hell at like another, it's a 24 hour climbing festival. Insane. Um, the people that are there, like these people are the climbers are like getting away for the weekend. So everybody's like super relaxed, like just having a good time trying to go climbing. Um, they're always held at, so in climbing, there's something called a Craig, which is basically yeah. Squamish, uh, the chief, uh, like certain areas, like you call that a Craig. So you'd go to these destination climbing areas. Um, the closest one would be Smith Rock, Oregon. Okay. Or you'd have the Craig and Classic in, in Bishop, which is on the east side of um, where Yosemite is. It's like on the east side of the Sierras. Okay. So tons of bouldering out there. And um, basically you have people from the closest big cities most of the time flocking to these events and it'll be like, I guess, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there'll be some sort of event where they give back to the area, like clean up, uh, build trails. Um, there'll be some trainings with pros. Um, all the sponsored athletes will come. They'll teach you how to climb. Um, there's often like a media thing, like, maybe like a viewing a free solo or valley uprising or alpinist which is just coming out right now um and then tons of drinking <laughs> and then for us um there's definitely a lot of bantering like back and forth uh it, it's super easy like it for us i mean it's it's tiring but it's super yeah. fun to talk to climbers about climbing like i could literally go on for days on end uh, and i did um but it's just, it's a good time and you get to like get paid to see the country and go climbing. So and what's better than that, right? Not much for me. Yeah, not <laughs> much. <laughs> no, but um, continue on. So like you stopped in um, Utah and then you went to a bunch of like climbing festivals along the way. So kind of carry on with the road trip and for sure. how that all um, went down. Let me think about this chronologically. Um we did over a hundred thousand K in 18 months. Wow. Which is like four to five years worth of driving for a normal person. Um, and so we have a Mercedes Benz Sprinter van towing a 1974 Airstream. I should know that. Um, it's like 26 feet long, uh, wow. dual axles. Um, Brad slept in the Sprinter van. I slept in the Airstream. And uh, the Airstream doubled as a showroom. So we had oh, okay. product on, on some shelves there. Um, 
that was a, another product or project that all our friends helped us build that out. There's like a couple hundred hours worth of man hours um, in building that out. And uh, everybody worked for product for free. So it's, it's pretty amazing. Like, I mean, not getting paid to do your podcast, but it's amazing. Like who will show up for you yeah. when you're, when you're building a brand, it's like really rewarding. No. Um, yeah. It's amazing. Just like, like Hayden, he's come on the podcast multiple, multiple times. He's, yeah. he's probably come on the most and it's just like, it's nice just like someone who's always down to do it and like basically down to grow, help for grow sure. whatever you're trying to do. It's, it's just like, it's kind of rewarding. Yeah. And then people sure, yeah. ask like, yo, when are you going to have me on? So it's like, just knowing people are like wanting to participate in what you're doing and kind of it's, 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 it's a cool feeling. Yeah. So yeah. I was just listening to the uh, episode with Tanner on it. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a beauty. <laughs> He's a beauty. Yeah. Yeah always always a forever yeah um but yeah getting back to the to the schedule to the tour um we basically tried to find like 70 degree weather year round like climbing weather at 70 degrees fahrenheit um that's hot over here in canada 70 <laughs> degrees <laughs> yeah like we're we're kind of looking for like spring conditions um yeah. so it was very much based on the weather um with the airstream we never ever wanted to get caught in the snow um oh yeah no chance yeah we missed a couple snowstorms we actually got trapped in an ice storm in houston i think in texas of all places um yeah they just went through that not too long ago yeah yeah after going through something not as bad but kind of similar weather system totally not surprising um but yeah we went from the pacific northwest like all the way down the west coast we went to the east coast the southeast we went down to the keys um there's no no climbing in florida um but we hit all the gyms down there which was super fun um then we went up the east coast we went up to new york new jersey um spent like three weeks in new york and uh that's a really cool city yeah Uh, highly recommend and new jersey's like totally underrated by the way really uh, yeah uh it's i mean it's not as crazy as new york like downtown new york is is insane but it's such a cool cool place there's like there's a community um whatever you're into there's a community there there's so many people in such a small sp- space like so much personality and character and interesting yeah so I, I found that really neat then we did um like all the way up to maine we crossed the border into canada um we did we were in Quebec, um, Ontario, all the way out to Halifax. Um, Halifax has, has an amazing climbing community out there um, and beautiful climbing. Like we, we literally bouldered um, on this place called Dover Island. You take a, a boat out there, like a private boat. You have to charter it. Um, okay. You're, you're on, the, on these boulders on a cliffside and looking east and it's the atlantic with like huge crashing waves on on oh man onto this rock and you're climbing these boulders Um, that just sounds unreal yeah it's world-class climbing and uh i mean that was so cool the the manager like the whole crew that works at that gym they they took us out and showed us it's like the most amazing day out and 
that was kind of the theme of the trip is like when we weren't working these events, we'd often get connected with people in their communities and people are just like so happy to show you uh, their climbing and kind of like the best of what the area has to offer. Um, For sure. Which was super neat. Super neat. I really miss that. I'd love to do it again. Yeah, I, I've always wanted to just go on a road trip just because I feel like obviously money is everything to anything you want to try and do. Maybe not necessarily everything, but it can be a big part. And obviously just like the gas money and all that sorts of stuff, but it's something mm-hmm. like you can build up for. But I've always just wanted to take a road trip and just oh, like... should. It's... It, feels like it sounds like the coolest opportunity and just like lifestyle just like take a summer off and then just like go through and then like come back through the states it's just something that i'd really it's like a goal of mine to do i mean you could absolutely do that and if you had a couple podcasts in there then it would be business expense exactly yeah exactly um so I'm a couple years into the Boulder Denim journey. You get a Dragon's Den opportunity. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? Because that was a very cool scene that come up on my Facebook about you sharing your appearance on there. But yeah. how did it all, like the news that you were getting your chance to go on there, all that sorts of stuff, like how did that come about? So I got a text so i was working full-time in uh in vancouver brad was in toronto and um that's where the additions are are in toronto and i get this text from him he's like hey like we're we're uh gonna be on dragon's den i was like like cool like you got us an addition he's like no uh we're gonna be on there i already auditioned i was like what do you what, what? do you mean how did you audition without <laughs> me and so apparently what he did is he went there and he was himself and then pretended to be me. So he's like, hi, I'm Bradley. And uh, this is my business partner, Taz and like stepped over here and then started talking as me and then like stepped back to his position and started pitching the company, like being the two of us. And they're oh like, my okay, God, that's hysterical. <laughs> that's hysterical. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he nailed that. Obviously got us, um, got us on the show. They uh, must have loved that too. Yeah. I'm sure so it was, probably that one of the more wild additions that they've had they probably like what the what is this guy this guy's a crazy person 100 percent, um but i mean like that's kind of the kind of what it takes at times right being super creative um, yeah to get yourself in front of the right stand people. out if you can stand out and like have judges or like critics always like kind of but this guy just like he did this I will just give him another shot. Kind of, you have to stand out in some sort of way, and acting as two people can definitely, you know, stand out to some people. Yeah, and um, I mean, as you sure, as I'm sure you know, like we had the climbing wall in there, like we did the pitch. Um, we we literally like rehearsed that on the drive there, uh, because he was in London, Ontario, not Toronto, actually at the time. Okay. Um, so it was like a three hour drive. I flew in the night before and we basically had like, we didn't have a lot of time to prepare, uh, but yeah. Brad knew the company really well. And we, uh, 
we ended up getting a deal with Jim. Um, and like everybody on that show was so incredibly nice. It was a really great experience. Uh, I think we ended up, it was, we shot for like 45 to an hour um, plus a setup took quite a while. Um, but the deal with Jim, um, we didn't end up going forward because one of the things is you couldn't talk to any other people. And we we're actually talking to um, our current manufacturer about uh, getting in a business relationship with them. Um, they wanted to basically launch their own men's brand and like we were the perfect fit and we we're already in communication with them. So we couldn't sign the contract with, with Jim. And um, I mean, we just, we ended up working with these guys out of Quebec and uh, it's been a great relationship. Um, they love the vision about uh, traveling North America. Yeah. They're like, oh man, that's, that's grassroots. Like that's a good way to build the brand. And so that kind of, that aligned with them and is really fortunate. Um, and basically it allowed us to expand the company a lot faster uh, than we could have done by ourselves. So these, the sets to these like Dragon's Den and Shark Tank kind of shows always mm -hmm. interest me. But so like, just because you always just see what's aired, but you never know the buildup to and like what's actually like cut out, what's kept in, because like, or like, I don't know what the word is, but uh, the auditions, I'll just say it for lack of a better word. Uh, it's like five minutes and then it's just like, then they started the deal. But then it's like, you were just saying that you shot for like 45 minutes to an hour. So it's like, you never, you, you don't see that part when yeah. you're just like watching on TV. Yeah. So like when you show up to the studio, well, it's like, take me through like the experience about like, if it is disclosable, like take me through the experience of yeah. the whole dragon's den, uh, day. Um, yeah, so you show up there early in the day, um, downtown Toronto, and um, the building where you're in, uh, they have this massive elevator. Apparently, like it's like the size of a cabin. Um, apparently, they put a tank in it. So you take this like this huge, huge, huge elevator um, up a couple floors. Uh, you get into it's kind of like being almost like in the back of like when you're at a hockey arena, like walking yeah. down, like in like the concrete uh, walkways, it's kind yeah. of like that up there. And then when you get on set, um, basically everything's like black from behind, but you can see the set from the front. The ceiling is like, like, I don't know, 40, 50 feet tall. It's like a crazy big room, crazy wow. big set. Um, none of that is what you see on TV. Yeah. And um, so we had to get in there. We like, like I said, there's a lot of like really boring kind of back and forth chatting that's not worth TV. Um, but they can they definitely just select like the, the key info um, that people want to see. They, they want to put the drama on there. Um, if you don't want something to be aired, just swear. <laughs> and uh, one of the, one of the conversations I had with Brad, I'm like kind of in the back room. I, I dropped a couple uh, F bombs so they wouldn't be airing that, that section. Um, so we could have a private conversation and um yeah basically what you saw was like kind of the the key pieces the key info that the the viewers want to see that's hilarious that's something i would never think of like what would be done like yeah if you don't want that part like 
they're just like throw a slur in there and it's like they they have no choice but to cut it out <laughs> yeah yeah i don't but, think i've ever seen a bleep on on dragon's den <laughs> yeah it's more just like yeah this is what product is this is how you use it do you want to try it do you want to give me a percentage um when uh when brad sent you the text that you were going to be on dragon's den how uh how close was that to the actual um audition or whatever not not brad's audition but like your appearance on dragon's den how close was that to the day um i long time ago i want to say it was like maybe like a month out or like a couple months out okay so, so yeah we, we had time to line up um we got a climbing wall from the local climbing gym uh junction in london ontario they they drove it like hours down for us and set it up is is really really generous of them and um but yeah we had enough time to line that up is there anything that you obviously because you want to spotlight important parts of the brand and all that sorts of stuff but what was one of the things that you think like okay this can really um time over or like this win is what's over. yeah win them over that's what i was looking for like what part of boulder denim is going to win them over and want to make a deal with us um like 100 percent, you see it over and over is uh you got to know your numbers inside and out and that's true for any business is like you need to be able to know it off the top of your head um so when you know that when you understand your customer when you understand your product um all those things are super important. And it, I mean, obviously like you never see ideas uh, get deals on there. Cause like an idea is great, but until the market decides that your idea is great, it doesn't matter. It's just an idea without execution. So when you have sales, um, that's everything. When you have sales, that's when you can actually like go and find investment and find business partners. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. yeah Cause I saw one and it was like, like waterproof stemless Bluetooth earbuds. And one of the uh, dragons said, I'll buy 100% of your company for like $4 million. Mm. So I was like, okay, like, yeah, but like, you don't, I've never seen that before. So like this guy must've been really talking his game or what was it a part of his brand that really won them over? So I'm always curious as to know like how yeah. different um, business partners and businesses really um, grab at. Yeah. To, like, I mean, show. I, I don't know the episode you're talking about, but if you have a, like a working product, you have sales. Um, and one of the dragons actually understands the idea. Like you can, I think that's pretty easy to understand. Like, uh, Bluetooth waterproof headphones, like everybody's going to want those, especially if they're like, yeah, well-designed, um, at a good price point and they work well, easy, easy idea to understand. And, and that's also kind of something that I've noticed, um, talking to other entrepreneurs is like, if you can explain your idea very simply in like a couple of sentences, um, in a way that people can understand easily, it's probably too complicated. Yeah. At least if it's going to be a consumer facing product, 
Um, there's obviously like a lot of businesses out there um, that are very intricate that take a lot longer. But like, if you're going to sell something to people on mass, uh, it needs to be pretty simple. No, I, I totally understand that. Cause a lot of, yeah, it's just important to keep customers or potential business partners engaged. And if they can't necessarily do that, then it's not going to be enough for them to want to do business with you. But were you like ecstatic when Jim agreed to partner with you guys? Or were you just like, none of it real? Like, did you know the clause that you couldn't talk to anyone else before signing the deal? Like before he came up? to you about it or did you no. were you going into it blind no um that was after the fact you you speak to um i guess his assistant like his business assistant and then you go through like the the contract of of what's involved in in them doing their due diligence because uh, like just because you get a deal on that show um a lot of those deals don't end up working out because maybe somebody didn't understand their numbers as well as they thought they did. Um, or for some reason, it doesn't make sense for the dragon uh, to move forward with the deal or the actual, the entrepreneur doesn't want to move forward with the deal. Um, so we didn't know that going into it, um, but kind of assumed that something like that would be uh, in place. Um, we were definitely like super excited about getting a deal with Jim. Um, he's an absolute gem. Uh, rest in peace. Um, but yeah, just like such a pleasure to meet him. Super, super nice. And, uh, just a good person. Did you, did you have anyone going into the pitch? Like, um, I, I hope, I hope we sign with this guy or were you just like anyone who kind of grasps at it or grasps no, at it? No, I mean, Jim was definitely like very high on the list for us. Um, it, just watching the show, you can tell that he's a good guy. Yeah. And um yeah, he was he was definitely like top two for us. No, he seems like a guy that you can easily like have a beer with at a barbecue, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, so that's who he, you want to work with. Yeah, today. no, one hundred percent he looks like a guy that anyone would enjoy working with. But um did you see any crazy growth after um your episode aired or like you got um the exposure mm -hmm. yeah um definitely uh when as soon as that hit we saw a jump in sales um online and we started getting <laughs> a lot of uh emails and inquiries from people um like people's moms and grandmas like hey like i have five thousand dollars like do you want do you want investment and uh we obviously turned everybody down it's like <laughs> five thousand dollars isn't gonna go anywhere uh, i appreciate um the support yeah by a pair of jeans but uh yeah it was really funny who came out of the woodwork and um i i definitely felt like i'm like whoa we are we've arrived uh but in the scheme of things it was uh such a a, a drop in the bucket for the brand overall but it's something that you can it's like an experience that you can't not a lot of people get to have right it's like yeah. you're on dragon's den a very like well-known show especially for entrepreneurs and businesses 
just starting up, it's like, I want to be on Dragon's Den. And you guys got to live that. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, it was it was a really cool life experience for sure. I, I don't know if I told you this, but I showed you guys off in my marketing class in grade 11 or 12. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, I was... It was either... Yeah, I think it was marketing. And I just went up to my teacher. I was like, yeah, so I don't know if this is like, this is kind of associated with what you're talking or what we're teaching. But my cousin was on Dragon's Den and she's like, what? And I was like, yeah, I, I'll pull up the link right now, blah, 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 blah. And we watched your episode. Uh, That's funny. On class and stuff like that. And I saw you go from one point to another and really impress the dragons. You made that big yeah. jump from, and uh, the whole class was just like, oh, I was just like, yeah, that's my boy. That's my boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's called a dino. Um, as a climber, not super impressive, but for people who don't climb, they love it. Oh, yeah, they love it. Anytime yeah. you go airborne, it's like, yeah, that's all the people want to see. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a showstopper. Um, actually, it's funny, like grade 11 marketing and grade 12 were like very foundational courses for me very much like shaped my career path yeah because it just it gets the base but it builds a foundation right and it's something that you can kind of like okay if this is kind of just like the just a glimpse of what i could be getting myself into then it's something i'd very much enjoy and obviously it goes deeper into it but um like going into the road trip and all that sorts of stuff and building the brand and going on to Dragon's Den, you've gone through a lots of different and unique experiences to market and promote and build Boulder Denim. But when it got hard and things weren't necessarily going the way you planned, if you were to have an example, how did you like deal with it and kind of overcome the hard parts to maybe to something that didn't go your way necessarily like a kickstarting didn't go as planned or um, a specific style of gene didn't sell the way you guys wanted to how did you guys deal with it and like overcome the obstacle so one of the things that i would say to any apart any entrepreneur apart or business apart um, from those who don't succeed is that they've all overcome failure. It's not like if you're going to come up, come across challenges, but like how many, how big um, can you get over it? And uh, we've had dozens and dozens and dozens of challenges. Um, I mean, our first, uh, first Kickstarter, we couldn't get on the phone with YKK for buttons and zippers. They wouldn't talk to us. It took us uh, literally months um, to even get them on the, or I guess like in an email to communicate with us. And wow. so it started like very early on. Um, production has, has always been a challenge. Um, keeping inventory has always been a challenge. Um, on our road trip, uh, Brad actually broke a bone in his hand and he had to fly back to Canada um, to deal with that. So I think he was gone for, it was, I think it was like three weeks, almost a month, um, in total in, in the 18 months. And so 
I had to do the demos and drive across the country um, by myself with the dog and the Airstream with his dog, Coda, total sweetheart. And it's a very intimidating thing to be like driving. I guess it's like probably close to a 50 foot rig and you have to go park this thing in a city you're not familiar with, uh, sometimes super narrow streets. Um, backing up a trailer, once you learn how to do it, it's pretty easy but at first it's pretty intimidating um, oh i look at those things and i'm like i don't have a chance <laughs> yeah so there's kind of there's a lot of unknowns and you just like with anything you just got to understand that like when you get there you'll figure it out and i mean like any challenge in your life like you either succeed or or what's the other option so i, I just look at challenges like that as when you when you get there you'll find the answer so don't get stressed out when stuff like that happens because you can't think when you're stressed out. Exactly. Like, honestly, I've been like dealing with um, a stressful thing, just trying to export these goddamn YouTube videos from some of these uh, video editing tools. But one big thing or like advice that I've been told in terms of like, if you want to start your own podcast is don't look at the numbers because mm. at the early stages once you look at the numbers if something you don't get the amount of downloads you want it's going to immediately flip a switch in your brain like okay this isn't working and you're going to want to quit and it's just like it's something that you can't necessarily do like i try to upload and then leave the website until i have to upload next week yeah and then yeah, i'll look at them i'll look at the numbers when i upload the following episode just because it's right there mm -hmm. but it's something that it's just like stick with what you're doing maybe like if you really need to change things up in terms of promoting it or like just getting exposure to it mm -hmm. but don't expect immediate success because then that's going to make you want to just assume that it's just not going to work out in the end do you have any like additional advice for anyone wanting to start their own business or like kind of create their own product? Definitely. Um, I think one of the common mistakes and I'm definitely guilty of this is like talking to people, friends and family um, about your ideas and asking what they think about an idea. Um, and these people, they have your best interest at heart and they don't want to hurt you. So be like, Oh, I have this idea for blah, blah, blah. Like, what do you think? Sounds amazing. The problem is, is like, you need honest advice on, yeah. on your product. You need honest feedback. Um, and you need to create a space. You can do it with friends and family, but you, you need to create a space where you're like, Hey, like what I really need from you is, is like your you're, honest opinion. Yeah. How can I improve on this? Like, why isn't this going to work? Um, and really getting a full picture on how you can make this, as successful as possible um, instead of kind of creating this like fragile conversation where they can't be honest with you. So for, have you ever heard of like MVP, like minimum viable product? I have not. No. So basically having like a, a prototype, a sample of whatever you're trying to create uh, or a first version of like having your first episode of your podcast or like having a, yeah a very sloppy uh, sample of the product you want to create, like something that's kind of working that you can like 
feel physically and like, oh, this needs to be improved on it. Um, that is like the one of the best starting things you can do because then you can actually like really evaluate your idea, see if it's realistic um, or see if it's a terrible idea. And sometimes ideas are terrible. Uh, and other times you'd be like, oh, now I can improve this, this, and this. Um, but not getting like married to an idea, I think is kind of important. And then, and then you have to balance that with, um, can you work through the obstacles Yeah. and then being self-aware of, of what's actually a good idea and, and what's not. So it's this, it's this really tough balance. And I think you kind of need to be a bit of a, a contrarian, um, and a risk taker uh, to succeed in that. And I, I think what you're doing in terms of not looking at the numbers, um, I've heard that so many times um, from content creators in general, is like content is difficult because it starts slow. Yeah. And it probably, it's probably more like parabolic as you kind of get, get the listeners. And I've noticed just with Boulder Denim, like, collaborations are really good for us and um it, you'll kind of get these like you'll have your baseline and then you'll have a collaboration and get exposed to a bunch of new uh i guess customers for us, or yeah customers or demographics and your baseline goes like this yeah and then same thing your baseline keeps on rising and like you'll get these spikes and then the baseline increases and it's it's all about keeping that momentum up um collaborating, getting in front of new audiences, um, adjusting your pitch and kind of finding your niche of what people want to buy from you or hear from you. Um, and just keeping at it. Cause I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. No, but it, it just, it, it, that's why you need to be, uh, passionate about what you're doing because to have that discipline, like you need to yeah. care. Yeah, no, for sure. I, cause I've wanted to do this for quite a bit and I listened to a podcast and he was saying like he got a question he's like hey like like I want to start my own podcast what what do I need all that sorts of stuff and he's like hey do you know what I'm going to talk about this now all that sorts of stuff this is what you need all that sorts of stuff like microphones interface good lighting it's better to be on camera like do it on camera and stuff like that post it to YouTube all that mm -hmm. and he's like the thing is, is you're probably not going to do it. You're going to say you're going to do it, but then you're not going to do it. And then if you do do it, you're probably going to stop after two months because it's not blowing up the way you want it to. Yeah. He's like, that's the harsh reality. Yeah. Is a lot a of people part. want immediate success because they want to see something to have something worth doing. Right. And then... He said he's like talking into a microphone is like 10% of doing a podcast. The other 90% yeah. is like editing, making sure it sounds right, uploading it at good times, getting enough interaction with your audience, promoting it, um, making sure you're on enough brands. And I'm just like, as soon as I got into it, I'm like, holy shit, this guy is right. Yeah. It's like recording for an hour and a half is like that's the easy part. Yeah. And then now you have as soon as like we're done and I press end, I'm like, okay, now I got like five more hours tonight of cracking this down, making sure it's uploaded at the right time and like everything, all my ducks are in a row. Yeah. And it's just like 
I assume just like, yeah, the business is like we sell jeans, but the shit that goes on behind the scenes is like 95% of what you see on the surface. And it's just like, that's the crazy part of like running something on your own. Yeah. I mean, there's like, it, it's like an iceberg. Like it sounds like you have 10 X the time um, to edit, promote all yeah. that other stuff versus the actual time spent doing the podcast. Um, very much like that for Boulder denim, like the amount of time I've spent in Google sheets, like Excel is mind numbing um hundreds of hours easily yeah but it's it's what you have to do to manage products to manage orders um to figure out your what you need to order uh sizing wise um yeah there's it's pretty unglamorous at times but the i mean at least the reason i i love it like one part of it is you are able to kind of like decide what you want to work on yourself yeah when you want to work on it and while like it's just like it kind of keeps me disciplined and keeps a mindset like it's almost like a harsh reality before i gotta get later on in my years mm-hmm. it's just like i know what it's like going through the shit and the stick all that sorts of stuff like audio not working out and i have to think on my feet and all that sorts of stuff like like critical thinking and doing something on the fly all that sorts of stuff and like having to adapt to different obstacles and stuff like that is good life lessons. If you were wanting to kind of start something on your own, whether it was like your own product slash business or like a podcast or YouTube channel or content, like that kind of thing. It's like, it kind of helps build you up as a person so that you're more disciplined later on because you went through the shit early. Yeah, right. absolutely. I mean, not only are you developing discipline, but you're um, building marketing yeah. skill set. Uh, you're learning how to like promote on all these different channels. Um, that alone is super valuable for any business, kind of fi- fi- figuring out your marketing mix of what you want to do. Um, and also practicing speaking, uh, especially in front of public. Like, uh, I wouldn't say I'm the best at speaking. Um naturally and like this is me after i don't know 10 years i remember in in college i could barely do a presentation without turning red oh my god i'm the same way (laughs) i'd get a lump in my throat i'd start tapping my knee or like the side of my leg just because i'd be so anxious standing in front of people and it's just like man i need to kind of kill this immediately yeah, I mean, this is great practice. Um, and everybody has their anxieties and insecurities. And I think like just kind of remembering that too is is a good reminder for yeah. everybody. Like there's like the of probably like a very small percentage of the population that absolutely absolutely has like no fears and insanely confident and just like breeze through it. But I think most people that I've met they yeah, they got like, they got something going on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um yeah, we're all we're all human. <laughs> yeah but i yeah because i i did this not necessarily for fame or fortune kind of thing i just did this to kind of kill that anxious feeling whenever i had to talk Mm. into a microphone or talk in front of people just because it's like if i want to go into broadcasting or radio that's stuff i got to kill it early or else i'm not going to go anywhere absolutely right so you need thousands of hours in front of a mic yeah there's a reason why like 
journeyman and like electrical and all that sorts of stuff, you need those 6,000 hours or 10,000 hours before you can even like compete for it because yeah. you need the practice down to like, yeah, be qualified for your job. Right. And mm -hmm. I'm sure like for running Boulder Denim, you need the ups and downs of like learning how to think on your feet and like kind of bowl through the obstacles and stuff like that yeah. in order to like control success and down like going downhill and that sorts of stuff and being able to be calm with it and like everything's going to be okay like i know what to do now for sure because i, mean, I went because i got it out of the way earlier most of uh a really high percentage of what I do. Um, well, not a high percentage, but like very often I have to do things I've never done before and you just have yeah. to figure it out on the fly um, kind of as you go and kind of making up your, your own rules. Like how, how do you figure out how to reorder inventory um, when you didn't learn that in school? Like, how do you figure out the site? Like what, what sizes you need to order and how many for each gender and each style. Um, it's the stuff you kind of have to make up on the fly. Like you figuring out your audio issues. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Taz, is there anything else that you wanted to kind of touch on or is there anything that we glanced over anything missing that you wanted to talk about today? I don't think so, Jeff. Um, appreciate you having me on awesome yeah this is uh doing a great thing man it's it's so cool to see all the names that i recognize in the list of episodes i appreciate that uh i have some questions that i ask every kickback and relax guest okay this and probably be embarrassing but go for it if you just let me find it for a second i can't okay. there we go all right it's just five questions you know um first thing you would do if you won the lottery and why Ooh. and when i say lottery i'll just kind of set it at say you won 10 million dollars 10 million what is the first thing you are doing and probably why? A, a really boring answer um but i would in invest that money and live off the interest um what that would allow me to do is not need to work at all. And if, if I didn't need to work at all, um, one thing that I'd, I'd absolutely love to do is give people opportunities at a young age, like maybe at like a high school level yeah. age, um, the opportunity to build businesses. I think that'd be super cool. Cause I, I think there's a lot of, uh, kids who are in school, maybe with like ADHD or, who are dyslexic. Um, I've always really struggled with writing and, um, quite often those people are the exact people who'd be perfect entrepreneurs. So I'd, I'd love to provide opportunities for kids to basically start this and kind of test it out and see if that's the direction they want to go. So you wouldn't buy a boat. Is what I'm... I'd, no, I definitely, <laughs> definitely would buy a boat. No, but that that's a really good answer. And, yeah, because being able to like kind of give back and like give basically giving people lessons that you never necessarily got is kind of like fulfilling in a way. So, 
I mean, like serving others is, is gotta be the most rewarding thing that you can do. I totally agree. Uh, second question, the most embarrassing way you've injured yourself, minor or major injury. So it can be whether or not like I, I bruised my shin mm. or something like that. But if it's like super, if it's embarrassing, what's the most embarrassing way you've injured yourself? Oh man, I have a super embarrassing story. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the first day of second year at BCIT, I don't know like what was going on. I had, I must've had like really low blood sugar. I uh, didn't eat. I was up super late and we're doing a presentation in front of the first year students. And there's a video going on and I'm, I'm sitting um, we're in this auditorium. There's like 300 students first years and I'm sitting on the edge of a table and I started like feeling kind of dizzy and I'd never experienced this before, but you know, when you stand up, like stand up too quickly and like you get lightheaded. Oh yeah. I got lightheaded and fully blacked out, smashed my face on the concrete floor. Apparently it made like this nasty sound and everybody's like, what? just happened and my the people in my uh classes like the real estate club like walked me out like some side door got this like fat shiner nobody really like really knew what happened because it happened so quickly um but i had like a black eye for like a month and our teacher bill phillips great guy uh he nicknamed nicknamed me shiner for the entire year oh man like so embarrassing yeah i uh i have a few embarrassing ones i broke my wrist in pe dance class and i cut my foot open heating up leftovers (laughs) so (laughs) (laughs) the bowl was too hot and i dropped it and i stepped on a piece of bowl that shattered and i cut my foot open i could i could see how you could do that yeah it's just That's hilarious the premise of it though it just doesn't sound it doesn't <laughs> sound interesting at all um third question what meal or food can you not live without Ooh, mexican food mexican food it's the yeah. first mexican food i've gotten on yeah questions. like that was one of the best things about traveling throughout the u.s is they have incredible incredible mexican food and if it was around i was probably eating it that day like i probably had mexican food i don't know i think it's 75 percent of my meals wow how how far would you go out of your way to get mexican food like an hour i don't know you go an hour oh yeah if it's that good so like chipotle no i mean chipotle is good but that's not mexican food um like street tacos are like small tacos like yeah I don't know, four or five inches there's actually a really good uh mexican food truck called i think it's tacos and toto um they're at steamworks in burnaby on tuesdays and it's a mexican family that runs it incredible like as as good as what you'd find anywhere in the u.s um, really but yeah, it's like, it's not, it's kind of not what you'd expect 
most Mexican to be. Like street tacos are pretty pretty simple, not a lot to them, just really good flavors. Interesting. Yeah. What was the what spot had like the best in the states? Um, there's you don't, you don't have to be specific, but like if a state or city, San Diego had really good tacos. Um, I can't, man, I can't remember the name of it, but I'm sure if you Google best tacos in San Diego, you'd find it. Um, and there's all this, also this like random little taco joint in Fort Collins, Colorado, in like a little strip mall. Colorado. Um, yeah, that's a spot just, I wouldn't expect. Found it on Google Maps and went in there and basically like everybody there at like four o'clock were like all the construction workers so you knew it's yeah. like the spot to be yeah um yeah it was really good again another mexican family like kids and family hanging out just the best man two in i heard denver is absolutely underrated amongst cities in the states I heard Denver's, Denver's a good spot. Yeah, Denver's really cool. Um, that area is really beautiful. Like it's kind of comparable to Calgary, how they're on the east side of the Rockies. Um, it's just like it's beautiful. Like you, you're kind of in the flat, and then you you look west, and you can see. I guess like when you're further up, like in Boulder, Colorado, which is just north of Denver, um, really sick area. Tons of good climbing, good food. Uh, pretty fun city to be in actually also san diego i heard is severely underrated as well san diego is sweet big fan big yeah fan. i i've heard a ton of good things but i recently just started cheering for the padres so hopefully i find myself down in san diego yeah soon. you gotta go see a game yeah for sure uh fourth question what celebrity do you rate as a perfect 10 Ooh. um Damn, that is a tough question. Maybe Harry Styles? Harry Styles. Oh, wait, are we talking about women? Hey, talk your talk. Men or women? Um, I mean, he's a pretty good looking guy. But oh. if I had to go with probably Jessica Alba. like Jessica she was, Alba. He was a rocket. And she, I mean, she's still super attractive. Also a very successful entrepreneur now. Don't really? That. Yeah. What's she doing nowadays? Um, she has a consumer brand that's like worth well over a billion dollars good for her yeah yeah pretty insane that is insane uh last question here if any actor or actress were to play you in a movie about your life mm -hmm. so they're playing taz barrett yeah who would it be easy james franco yes man oh my god <laughs> yo that's similarities are insane same hair and everything yeah i've uh heard that a little bit so that, that was an easy question to answer <laughs> damn all right <laughs> i'd take dave though if, if i can't get james dave would be fine too yo great group of actors there dave and james <laughs> franco they've done very well for themselves yeah they have anyways taz this was super fun thank you so much for coming on um as much as we've talked about you this episode you're not quite done i want you to plug anything plug boulder denim plug any social media you want people to follow you at 
all that sorts of fun stuff. And uh, yeah, it's your time to shine. Thanks, buddy. Uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Um, love to do it again in the future if you ever want to have me on. Um, Boulder Denim on Instagram, just Boulder Denim, no space, uh, or just boulderdenim.com. Pretty simple. Uh, those are the main places that we're active. Uh, yeah, do you have any new sort of product coming out soon? Any, um, yeah, just anything. Uh, what do you guys sell on boulderdenim.com? Uh, so we have three collection of jeans. We have our Canadiana. Those are the original ones uh, made in Quebec. Uh, we have the 2.0, second Kickstarter, not very original. 3.0, uh, even less original. Um, uh, those guys currently are private, but they will be live, I would say, in probably a couple weeks. It's start of September, so hopefully by the end of the month or maybe October, um, they'll be live for people to buy. Um, super, super stretchy jeans, really comfortable, um, great for climbing or working. Deep I mean, pockets, too. The deep, deep pockets, pockets are a huge play because i hate when you get jeans or shorts and the pockets are like like three inches and it's like what's the point was things are going to be falling out left right and center but the deep pockets are a huge play that's one of the things that we got from doing uh just talking to people what do you want especially women like i didn't even know that like a lot of women's jeans have sewn shut pockets yeah kind of insane like Something uh, that all our jeans when have. I when I saw that women have sewn pockets, I'm like, why? Why don't you just make these usable? Yeah, I mean, like, what are we doing here? Yeah, it's silly. I mean, they have purses and also pocket. They create lines on on the front, so I can understand why you might not. Um, and as a producer, it's cheaper not to have to do that additional sewing. But yeah, true. Not practical. Yeah, talking to Anyways, the man Anyways, we're getting himself. to the weeds, Jeff. <laughs> uh, you, um, you guys know where to follow me, at Jevin.Lefave on Instagram, at JevinLefave on Twitter. Find everything for the show on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, at LeftSideHeavy underscore. Be sure to give the YouTube channel a subscribe, LeftSideHeavy. You can find episode 53 on there. I'm having trouble uploading episode 54 on there right now. I don't know what's going on, but... Hopefully that's up in the next couple of days as well, and hopefully this one goes up. But if um, intro outro music, Savage by Tom Ivory featuring Six Man. Be sure to check out all their music wherever you get your music. And Taz, once again, this is super fun, man. Thank you for coming on. It was great talking to you. Thanks, Jeff. Likewise, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. See you guys next time. I just gotta let go. Went from ducking and fucking, and now I got put in the friend zone. There's no need for discussion, I just really love how you get low But I'm dipping, I'm cutting the shorty, ain't worth being ten toes, ten toes I, I, I just gotta let go, call me a Benzo, paid all cash, I won't take no rentals, killing my vibe